Okay, here we go. Welcome to Unleashed Cast Weekly for February 22nd. I think this is our third or fourth uh, Twitter space. Um, every Wednesday, 16.30 GMT, um, which is 8.30 or no, 9.30, I think, uh, for the West Coast and um, 11.30 or so for the East Coast of the US. Uh, I'm joined by my co-host, uh, Ali Navrat, Senior Journalist here at Unleashed. Ali, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, John. How are you? Yes, yeah, sorry, um, my uh, phone is not happy today. <laughs> I think it's time listen, for a new iPhone. <laughs> listen, it wouldn't be a Twitter space without um, a bit of dead air as we as we sort things out. But now we're in the full flow. Uh, you know the deal by now. We're going to talk about a couple of stories um, that have been uh, published on Unleashed this week. Um, one from around the web, and then a bit of discussion about our upcoming show, Unleashed America, taking place. 26th, 27th Caesars Forum in fabulous, fabulous Las Vegas. Um, but let's crack on with the first story, which was uh, written by you, Ali. Um, tech remains divided over the office. This is really interesting because um, you, you'd consider from the outside most tech companies to be quite forward thinking, I'd say. Um, but it seems that some of them have um, taken a different tack when it comes to uh, how they view work as being in the office, their, their ideas of remote work and what they think is acceptable. Uh, tell us a bit about this story. Yeah, I agree. It's quite an interesting one. Though actually, the more I think about it, the more I'm like tech giants had amazing offices. So maybe that's why <laughs> they want to go back to, you know, the, the all those Google, you know, play in the office, and all, all those nap pods and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, basically the story is that there's no consensus within tech, basically, about where the office fits into the future of work. You know, Activision, Blizzard, Walmart, and it's kind of tech, the tech side of Walmart has kind of, you know, going return to the office. I also saw that Amazon has also will be returning to the office at least three days a week from May the 1st. So just when we're back from Vegas. And whereas, you know, in, on the on the opposite side, Elon Musk, you know, famous opponent of remote work is closing some Twitter offices in, in the in Singapore and in the US and in a kind of cost cutting initiative, which is also something that Microsoft's GitHub is doing. So it's just fascinating how different companies are doing such different things. And I guess time will tell how that's going to impact their ability to attract and retain talent. Yeah, I was just about to say, I think maybe it's a cost-cutting exercise, um, or maybe he can't afford to lose any more staff. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, we are on one side of the fence. We've got um, Activision Blizzard and Walmart, who are kind of pro the office. Mm -hmm. um, Walmart's going for two days a week, which I actually think is quite good. But obviously, it's, you know, that's just, just my opinion. Um, Twitter and GitHub going remote. And um, that says to me that maybe hybrid is the way forward, which is kind of the way we operate, isn't it, Ali? Yeah, I think so. I think... The, the interesting thing about Walmart is the kind of requiring them to relocate, which seems quite um, extreme, but they are obviously going to pay for them to do that and everything. But I feel like, you know, in the world of working from anywhere, you've got, again, you've got a split. Some companies are allowing people f to work from anywhere in the world. I mean, Airbnb has an interesting policy on this. It has, you know, requirements around it, but it's still working from anywhere. Um, and whereas that's not what Walmart is doing for its tech workers. So it's interesting. Very interesting, John. It is interesting. Um, before we crack on to our next story, uh, just to welcome Asha, Alyssa and Amazon. Hi, Amazon. Uh, and of course, Annabelle, keeping things smoothly ticking over in the background. Um, good to have you all along. Next story, um, one from uh, our freelancer, Dan Cave, who the, the headline is, your CEO wants to outsource their next HR leader. So this is based on some research from Talent Strategy Group and the Shanley Group from... Uh, Mark Efron and Jim Shanley, 
they were writing about it as a kind of um to kind of analyze the idea of low performing chro teams and there's some real cutthroat stuff going on here which is that they they think basically the answers to questions on whether hr teams are executing processes properly the the answers aren't sufficiently good enough mm -hmm. so um the c-suite is looking elsewhere for people to lead their hr teams or maybe even to restructure the hr teams that they have mm. it's a lot uh, ali what do you think i think it's kind of ironic because it shows there's kind of a failure of succession planning in hr which is obviously something that hr does a lot of for other departments but it needs to start looking maybe more internally at its own self, which is always hard to do, of course. Um, what it kind of made me think of is I wrote a piece a few weeks ago, I don't know if you remember, about that report from Accenture about CHROs being kind of growth executives and trying to kind of become more kind of business focused. And they talked about some of the skills that CHROs, you know, of the future, you know, successful CHROs of the future need to have. And it's things like financial acumen and data and digital skills you know, be very strategic about developing their team. And I think this kind of feeds back into what Dan was saying and what um, the report is saying. It's very interesting. I think, you know, basically it's time for CHROs to really look at their teams rather than just look at all other aspects of the business. Make sure they're applying all the, you know, the learnings they've had from succession planning elsewhere to, you know, to themselves. It is. The last quote, I think, was... <laughs> quite telling, quite interesting. They say the first question we ask every CHRO client is after what is the strategy of your business is what is the quality of your direct reports? If they hesitate in their description of anyone, we tell them if in doubt, replace them now. That is some real hardcore consultant uh, cutthroat behavior, I'd say. Yeah, that is that is savagery, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. But no, I mean, it's, it's just interesting. I think, yeah, it's an, it's a something definitely really, really useful for our, uh, you know, CHRO, but HR leader in general audience to kind of really, really start thinking about very seriously if HR is going to become this kind of strategic business partner that we need it to be to derive, you know, flourishing workplaces <laughs> for want of a better term. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, um, so that's a couple of stories. There's plenty more uh, published every week on Unleash.ai, Unleash America and Unleash World Content Hubs. Before we come on to talking about the learning and skills stage at our upcoming event, um, we're just going to take a quick look around the web at a piece from Work Life. Um, we'll publish the uh, link in the show notes. Um, we're talking about hush trips. I mean, as we well know, we've published plenty of stories on this variety of kind of buzzwords, uh, epithets, bonmos, and, and uh, various different terms that have come out of HR in the last few months. One that really caught my eye was the idea of a hush trip. Mm. Uh, what the F is a hush trip? <laughs> and brackets, and why HR needs to know about it. So the idea of a hush trip very quickly is you go some, you, you kind of work somewhere, maybe you're a digital nomad fully, like you know some people in Unleash, but um, you uh, decide to go somewhere and work from there, basically. Um, I guess the idea that you're not is you think that maybe your line manager might think it's a holiday, but we all know that trust and transparency are key, right? Yeah, I think that was the takeaway I had from it was around kind of this mistrust. So why do it, why are employees not telling their line managers that they're traveling or they're not good, they're going to be working from a different location? Where is that kind of, do they not trust them or is it kind of, is it just that they don't want, they don't think they should have to. And I think, it was interesting, the trust side of it, or the mistrust side of it, I should say, you know, why wouldn't you be honest about that? Um, and obviously, we've written multiple times about how trust is essential to kind of the better future of work, this kind of inclusive culture, where, you know, employees can thrive, because they are just more honest and 
and they they feel like they can be with their with their managers and with leaders. I think the other interesting part of this is kind of you know from for a HR side is that obviously people moving around creates some you know logistical issues, tax issues, um, that kind of thing, legal issues. Um, so I think it's kind of for HR to think a little bit more about being clear on the requirements and the guidelines around what employees need to do. You can't assume people know that they have to tell you that kind of thing. I think it's kind of a always a mistake to assume. <laughs> That would be my takeaway. It is. It is. Yeah. I mean, the, one of the subheads in the piece was, is taking a hush trip a sign of a bad work culture? I mean, that's, I know, I know they may be there for the clicks, but it is, you know, quite possibly because I think you should be able to trust your manager and they should be able to trust you that you're going to do the work. But it, um, but it is about culture. And it is about transparency. We've got things like concerns about employer of record, yeah, uh, which are possible, you know. And the, the main thing for me, I think, is that I think against the status quo i think both employees and employers know that it's a bit weird and not normal but the last two years have shown the benefits of breaking the rules and the benefits of of kind of doing things a little bit against the grain of how we used to do them and this is why we have these gains in productivity and this is why we have an embrace of remote working Mm -hmm. so uh do it i say (laughs) is that my uh is that my invite to just go and live on the other side of the world john (laughs) i'll see you yeah you can, you can dial into our daily meeting from the Bahamas. That's fine, Ali. <laughs> if only. Amazing. Well, should, we, okay. should we move on to Unleash America? I think we should. I've got pizzas in the oven for my daughters um, before they go out to, Very to guides and brownies. So. <laughs> Always jealous of pizza. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, so today we're going to be talking about the learning and skills stage at Unleash America. The lineup is expanding by the week, but we've got a few uh, talks to talk about as it stands today, the first one being how Edwards Life Sciences achieves strict compliance requirements with an exceptional learner experience. Now, a lot of learning and skills ends up being kind of compliance training, mandatory training. So it's really important that um, people who work in the learning function attend this session to know how to kind of uh, make it the most engaging, the most exciting it can be without skimping on things like compliance workflows, um, getting the most out of your learning systems and, and things like that, Ali. I mean, I'm excited for this one because it's in the world of pharma. And you know that I used to used to write about pharma. So very excited about that. But I think it's, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting as well that the, the, the synopsis says, you know, particularly in regulated industries, and that is, you know, particularly in pharma is one of those. So I'm quite intrigued to see how that impacts it. I had, wouldn't have thought about that, but maybe it's just that they have more compliance side that they need to think about. But obviously, as you said, all industries need to make sure they're compliant, but they're also, you know, giving this training in a in an engaging fun way otherwise people aren't going to take mm. any of it in at the end of the day we're all humans <laughs> um indeed indeed um our second talk is uh, i didn't give the time of the first one but this this one is eleven thirty-five till 12.05 on day one finding time an interesting title here but we can dig into it how to manage a workforce while being a workforce and it's about exactly that. It's about time management. It's about prioritization. And uh, Adam Hickman from the Walt Disney Company, who um, I interviewed for Unleash America um, Content Hub, uh, you can find that on the website now, um, is going to be leading that one. And it's about getting workforce planning right, thinking consciously about your time um, and saving time for your learners, basically. You know, that this is it's really important to um, in a busy world to kind of make sure you make the most of your day. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think what's particularly interesting for Walt Disney is obviously the Walt Disney Company, sorry, they've got a whole load of different types of workers. You know, they've got the people in the parks, they've got 
the people, you know, creating all the Disney films that we all love to watch um, and nostalgize about. Um, so I think if that's what's going to be really interesting is how are they doing that for their kind of variety of workers? Completely. Next, we, we move on to uh, empowering your workforce. This is 1210 to 1240, um, a case study on the learning and skills stage. This is Brian Seco from iFly. Uh, he's going to be talking about the impact of virtual coaching on personal and professional development of workers. Uh, this is something that we hear more and more about. It's something that's a key area of learning and development, which has been democratised hugely in uh, the last two, three years. It used to be definitely a C-suite concern and uh, for executive level people, but now um, virtual, especially because of virtual coaching, it's kind of that whole process is from the bottom up and the top down, which is really exciting, I think. Mm, yeah, definitely. This should be a good one. Um, I'm sure you'll attend it, <laughs> not me, but it's, it looks like an interesting one. I'm, I'm intrigued by the outcome and the write-up, John. I mean, we're, we're going to be pulled in many a different direction <laughs> um, at Unleash America, but we're, we're going to try and attend all these talks. Uh, I skipped over a news story, but we'll come back to that. So just wrapping up on Unleash America, um, the one final talk um, in the learning and skills stage so far is from Elliot Maisie. Theatre impresario and learning in innovation legend. Uh, this is about learning innovation now and next. This is the last talk. He's an industry stalwart. He's going to be talking about technology and digital transformation. How can you kind of hang on to the, the core tenets of good learning and development while everything else is changing around you? So I think it's a real coup getting uh, Elliot Maisie involved. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's a proper learning legend. He's been in the industry for a long, long time. It's going to be really exciting. Yeah, I know Paige is really excited about this one, our head of production. So I am also excited to learn more from Elliot. Should be, especially the kind of tech side. I don't think we talk about that quite so much in the L&D space as maybe we should. So definitely one, definitely one not to miss if you're attending Unleash America in uh, April in Las Vegas. Just a quick mention of the story that you published yesterday, Ali, uh, the four-day week. So this is the results of uh, a, a, a long-running piece of research from a campaign group called uh, Four Day Week Global. I think, how many companies was it? Um, 91. Seven, um, okay. Yeah, 90, 91 companies and 92% um, of, not employees, but employers said that they were found business benefits from running a four-day week. I mean, you can predict that employees would, would want a four-day week for better work-life balance, uh, retention, productivity, focus, everything like that. Um, and these claims are borne out by the data. But the, the big takeaway for me was that employers, yeah. um, thirty, I think 92% of them wanted to continue the pilot and 30% of them straight off the bat said they were going to uh, make it policy in their work, which is incredible really, I think. Yeah, and 35% saw a revenue uplift compared to like previous, you know, compared to previous years, um, which is amazing. I think what was the standout for me really was that, you know, the whole thing about, so 0% of employers didn't want, didn't want to continue, which is shock, which is quite shocking. Um, but 15% of them said they could, you couldn't pay them enough to go back to a five-day week, which kind of shows that despite how challenging it is to implement a four-day week and kind of shift to doing 100% of your work in 80% of the time, which is what the pilot does, um, it isn't about you know people working longer days. It's about them actually rethinking how they work and getting rid of those meetings, getting rid of like unnecessary tasks, trying to automate that kind of thing. And I think that's really, really fascinating. And it kind of shows that it's, you know, companies that do this are really going to get ahead of the game around retention mm. um, and, well, not, you know, and attraction, which, you know, it's, a, it's, it's not a great 
great hiring market out there. Um, so I think maybe yeah. something to think about for smaller companies, maybe, or even, you know, even the big giants. Um, we've talked to kind of Bolt before about what they're doing around it. So there's definitely some big companies in, embracing this too. It's not just for the it's not just for the tiny little startups. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've got a. Uh, I'm part of the way through writing a kind of a follow up rant piece to build on your news story, Ali. So um, <clears throat> look out for that on site. Okay, um, just before we go, and uh, I don't burn the pizzas. Uh, the code, if you are listening for ten percent off your ticket price, is POD ten POD ten. Go to check out, um, get your Unleashed America tickets. We will see you in Caesars Forum at the end of April. Uh, next week, what are we talking about next week? Let's check the schedule. Next week, we're talking about talent. First of March, we'll talk about the talent stage. Yay. Ali, thanks as all. Sorry, I was delayed. I was on mute. <laughs> I was trying to celebrate, but I'm no worries. the classics. You're on mute. But actually, that's myself. Yes, very excited to talk about talent next week. I will catch you then. Thanks, everyone, for listening.